Welcome to our community. This is Saratova Best. Today is Vav Tishrei. And what we want to ask ourselves is, what is our relationship with the physical world? What did it used to be? What is it going to be? What should it be now? Has anything ever changed? Um, how should we look at the physical world? Classically, we, people looked at it as, you know, try to stay away from it as much as possible. Just do the minimum um, and be involved in spiritual things. That was then. In Yemaisa Mashiach, will be, the physical world will be fully invested with holiness. Somehow, Lahavdil, the church, Lahavdil, got from their, how they spun off of siphoning off what they thought they could siphon off from Taira. They thought, I guess, or maybe the conclusion that they drew was that if they look at the physical world and they look at the spiritual world, so to speak, they drew the conclusion that anything that's physical that's done is bad. And hence, you know, if somebody wants to become a holy person among non-Jews, they tend to not get married and not this and not that and really shun all physicality. That's the way the non-Jewish world has come to see it, or certainly did over the generations. And we were always the ones that were embracing, you know, give me a nice little piece of 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 kugel with my with my chicken and give me, you know, some nice good chopped liver. Unashamed, unabashedly um embracing the physical world because we understood that we have a unique we have a way of releasing all the kadusha that's embedded in the physical world and it's not our enemy. Okay. So here we're going to look into Vav Tishrei Vav Tishrei and the Haftaira of the first day of Rosh Hashanah, and it's going to give us some insight into that. Um, Because it's the beginning of the Haftaira then of the first day of Sefer Shmuel, the beginning of Sefer Shmuel, and it's speaking about Hannah. Who was it? Elkanah's wife. And, of course, she didn't have children. And then, through her tefillah, she was blessed with a son, Shmuel Anavi. And it's a well-known story. So what's the whole point of reading this Haftarah on Yantus? And all Haftarahs. Like the reading of Taira, Taira is a Hira. And so a Yid wants to learn Hira in a Vaida from the Shabbos, from Shabbos and from the Yantus. So in our case, even the whole point, that the Haftarah of Rosh Hashanah is because Hannah was answered on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, great. So that's why we say the Haftira. That Haftira in Rosh Hashanah. But obviously there's something really powerful in that Haftira that fits Rosh Hashanah. And there was a certain kind of avida, a certain kind of way of being that Hannah needed to do that brought her to conceiving a child. Now, what did she need to do? First of all, what kind of a child is she going to conceive? That conceiving that kind of a child after a long break, after not being able to conceive, there's some a, a whole spiritual service that she needed to do, to do to conceive that child. Now, really, we're, we are her, and we are really looking to conceive a reality. The child was, and says, she asked for a child that would be Zara Nushin. Meaning, a union of of two two kinds of energies, um, chachma and bittel, I think, if I remember correctly, a, a a combination of two different types of personalities, and that's what I think. I, I, I think David and David and Shaul. I'm not sure. Shaul and David. I'm not sure. I have to look it up. But she but she was asking for that kind of a child. We're looking also to give birth to a reality in which we can span lots of different realities at the same time. You can be in a spiritual world, and you can be in a physical world, and you can be in both at the same time. And we're always looking to prepare ourselves to step to give birth to that kind of life. Where life just flows, like the year that we're about to face now, that that we have begun now. A really miraculous world in the midst of probably a lot of weird 
stuff. And what you want to do is give birth to a self that can live in that kind of dual reality and flow right through it and open it up and expand it. So the main point here about this Haftira, about Hannah, and asking for a child, and being and being barren, and then being granted a child, and davening. What's the main point of this Haftira? The tefillah. In Sheila, her davening, her tefillah, her prayer in Sheila. So we have to say, what we learn from this, what is this for me? When I'm on, it's Rosh Hashanah, and I'm hearing tefillah Hana, and especially as it's brought in Shalom, that it, that she, there are opinions that say she did daven on Rosh Hashanah. So, how is it helping me? How is it helping me? Is this something about a recipe for giving birth physically to a child, for conceiving a child on Rosh Hashanah? So, what we want to understand is, this story about Silas Hannah, before Ailey the Crane, first Ailey the Crane looked at her and saw the way she was really pouring out her heart. And he said, you must be drunk. Well, thanks. <laughs> Why? Because she was speaking her heart. I guess she wasn't holding back. I guess the way at that point is, you know, people do things very silently. She wasn't holding back. She really spoke her heart. You know, speak your truth, right? Her in saying, speak your truth. She was speaking her heart. And he said to her, how long are you going to do this? How long are you going to be drunk? Drunk with what? Drunk with your feelings, with your emotions, with your needs. And Chana said to him, No, I'm pouring out my soul to, to God. I'm not drunk. I mean, I could be drunk with really just having just on overload of needs and longing and and having a vision having a vision of what I want that the longing feeling is so difficult. I, I had it just just the other day, whole long conversation I'm saying me, with somebody about why most people are afraid to open up and be in touch with their creative zone, that place that is a wellspring of infinite creativity that is a very powerful place and once you open it, it just opens more and more and more and you find out all kinds of creative parts about yourself and abilities that you have that can, you can develop that you didn't know about. Why don't most people like to do it? Some people do and lots of others. Too uncomfortable to be longing, you know, you know now what, you open up a whole channel in yourself and now you're out of your comfort zone. So, when he's saying, you know, you're drunk, she's saying, I'm pouring out my heart. I'm out of my comfort zone. I have this longing. I know what I want. I want to create this eternity in the world through conceiving the child, giving birth to Shmuel and Avi, etc. But I, 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 want, I want to be more than just myself and birth new realities. Step out of where I'm stuck. And again, just today, somebody spoke to me and said, I feel like my life is not working because this, this, this. Is. And we know, we've come to a point in history. I'm just saying this is not a new secret. We really have to understand that all of our problems are not circumstantial. Or let's say most men. They're not circumstantial. It's not because if only, you know, this, this, this in, in the place that I live in, in my house or my apartment, could be changed than everything. If only I had a different boss. If only I had a different job. If only, it, if only it was not so difficult to drive a car in New York City. If only it was green everywhere I drove. If only I had a garage. If only, if only, if only, if only, and everything would be good. Wrong. We're all being pushed into this place where we feel like, I am stuck. I need to break out and birth a new reality. So, what don't we understand? How could it be that Elia Kain should make such a mistake, such an extreme mistake, instead of understanding that she's pouring out her heart, the son is pouring out her heart, he thinks she's drunk? What is that? And even if you 
want to give an ex- explanation and explain why Ailey, the client, made a mistake. So something's not understood. So well, he made a mistake, so the Tyra has to spend so much time telling us about his mistakes. You know, Tyra is very careful not to say negative things about even an unkosher animal. And um, here's another question. So why do you think she was drunk? Very strange. I mean, you know, <laughs> she looked like a very right, very strange. She really looked like a very righteous, sneistic, very special woman. I mean, this is the person who's going to be the mother of Shmuel and Nabi. You think she's sitting, I mean, come on. How, how does she get drunk? I mean, are you joking? How can you, <laughs> you're Aelia Cohen. You're not just a person. You're Aelia Cohen. You are on a very high level. You have probably Ruach HaKadosh. You have tremendous visibility into people's lives, their, their personality, their persona, their energy, their this, their that, heavens, earth, all this stuff. Women like this don't get drunk. I mean, what are you thinking? Why in the world would you call a such a special, righteous woman who's coming to Shula to dive into Hashem? And you, what, are you joking? You actually think she's drunk? It's a joke, right? What is this all about? She has to tell you, no, I'm not drunk. Well, duh. No, I'm not drunk. Such a woman. No, I'm not drunk. <laughs> the whole thing is so crazy. So, um, um, and so, um, why did Ailey wait to speak to her um, when she said, why didn't, um, Okay. So when we're talking about Ailey looking at, at, at wondering what's going on with Hannah, and she's asking for something that's so pivotal to her life, and, you know, he's thinking, is she drunk? Obviously, obviously he isn't thinking that she's physically drunk. I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's outrageous. So he must be referring to something else. But here... There, we have to take a step backwards and look at what goes on in the Rosh Hashanah Davini. In the Davini, two things are happening. One is the main thing is we are asking Hashem to be king over the world, meaning you are not the main event. We, 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 we step back, become invisible, let go of our sense of self, and the whole main event, the whole main show is Hashem, you. You, Hashem, we want you to be the king and create a world for another year. Now, here's the catch-22. So we're not noticing ourselves. It's not about us at that moment. On the other hand, we're asking him to create a world. Who do you think is going to be in that world? Little old us. You know, this world, you know, once we, once he says, yes, I'll create a world, then we're like, oh, uh, hmm. So you said yes to creating the world. That's great. Uh, who's going to be in the world? He says, you. Oh, well, I stopped feeling my own existence. So who's this you? He says, well, now you've got to work on feeling that you exist. First you had to work on feeling that you don't exist. And the whole thing was me and my desire to be king, says Hashem. But now that I'm going to make a world, and again, this isn't, this isn't step one, step two. It all happens simultaneously. So if I'm going to create this world, the whole world is about Jewish people and non-Jews doing mitzvahs with this physical world. You know, there's life after creation of the world. And you guys are going to be the ones doing the mitzvahs with stuff. So you're going to need to have stuff to do mitzvahs with. You're asking me to make a world for another year, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're going to need stuff. Okay, send us stuff. So Hashem says, ask me for stuff. Ask you for stuff. Yeah. Ask me for the stuff that is, that is going to work for you. You're going to have certain sparks that are connected to you this year once I create this world. And you uniquely, each one of you is going to be connected to different sparks that are embedded in different things. So this person is going to have that kind of car, 
because that's where his cars are. And that one's going to have that kind of car. Another person won't have a car at all. Another person will have a motorcycle. Another person um, will actually own a private plane. All kinds of all kinds of rebels. And I'm going to have to create, Hashem says, a way to get you to actually own. Let's say the guy who needs to own a private plane because the sparks that he has to work on this year are embedded in that plane. How is Hashem going to get him into contact? Is he just like one day the guy looks out his private plane and says, oh, there's a plane on my front lawn. Well, yes, nobody claims it. I'll claim it. Nah, I'm not interested in planes. What would I do with a plane? It's not my thing. It's not my speech. That's not going to work. So Hashem says, I'm going to make this world. You asked me to make a world for another year. Opportunities, physical things, people, mitzvahs, all this stuff, an interaction between you and the sparks. If you are, if your sparks are embedded in that private plane, that private jet, I'm going to need to give you a desire to learn how to fly a plane or to have a desire to be in a flying plane and hire a you know, have a personal pilot, you know, personal chauffeur. But I'm going to have to give you, says Hashem, if you ask me to make the world, I'm going to have to give you some connection to all the physical things that I'm going to give you that you have to extract the sparks from. And you're going to have to feel personally connected, which means I'm going to do it through giving you a an appetite, an appetite for those things. Because it's not going to help if your sparks are embedded in the private plane and you have it sitting on your front lawn or your backyard or on your estate somewhere and you never use that plane. And I, Hashem, say to you, I gave you the plane because I want you to fly it and scrap the sparks. And you say, I don't have zero desire to fly a plane. Give it to somebody else. Hashem says, no, 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 the sparks are for you. I don't know. I'm really not into it. So Hashem says, Okay, I'll wake up your desire to have a plane. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, I want to go flying in a a private jet. I'm going to take flying lessons. Yeah, I'm really into it. Oh, my goodness. I just have this desire. Where did it come from? He has to give you a connection to the sparks that he gave to you for the year in the world that you asked him to create this year. So all you're asking him to be king over this world that he's going to create this year He's saying, at the same time, you have to ask for the things that are where the sparks that are for you are going to be embedded. The bicycle, the car, the, the, the plane, the boots, the shoes, the, the tuna fish sandwich, the, the blender, the, you know, the oven, the, the new kitchen. You need to ask for that stuff because you need to pull it into your life, your life. And you need to pull it into your world, this world that you're asking me to create. So it's a very complex system. But we see that two things have to be happening, have to happen in Rosh Hashanah. You're asking Hashem to be king of the world, create the world, and he's saying, good, now go to, get to work in this world. But pull the stuff that's in, that's in your part of the world into close to you and be personally engaged with them. Don't do this like, yeah, well, you want me to fly a plane? Oh, okay. Whenever I get, if I find the time to fly a plane. Most people who have a private plane find it exciting. They want it. Why did you order this pair of boots versus that pair of boots? Oh, no, I don't like, I don't like that color. I don't like navy blue boots. No, 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 no. No, I want maroon boots. Okay, he needs to find a way to get you personally engaged with those maroon boots so that you would elevate the spark. Or at this point, bring the light of Mashiach into those, those places. So, that's on or off. Okay, so now we have a catch-22. Because asking Hashem to be king means that the way to do it, by definition, is you have to be totally buckled. You have to not feel your existence whatsoever, and the whole focus is on the on Hashem asking Hashem to be king, and what impresses Him to give into your request is your bittle. 
which you achieve through hearing Schaefer, etc. Your lack of sense of self, your total absorption into him, into his presence, without feeling yourself, is what gets Hashem to say, yes, I will create the world for another year. So on the one hand, standard, standard Russian, you have to be totally bustled, totally nullified to Hashem and Rosh Hashem. Now, at the same time, let's turn it around. You have to ask for everything that you want and you need. You have to ask for all your needs. Well, that, how can you ask for your needs if you don't exist? Who's going to ask? So we are talking about an oxymoron on Rosh Hashanah, two opposites. Be totally nullified to Hashem. Don't feel yourself. Do not feel yourself. One. Two, feel all of your needs and ask for them. Without feeling yourself, oh boy. Now, that's an interesting kind of a contradiction. And how do you do that one? Okay, so again, we're back to this question. You know, we have this contradiction. We're asking for... Embedded in the tefillahs is that we're supposed to ask for what we want on Rosh Hashanah, but we're supposed to be non-existent people. We're supposed, the focus of Rosh Hashanah is asking Hashem to be king. King over what? King over the world. Oh, king over the world. What does the world involve? We're not just saying be king. We're saying be king over the world for another year. So that means we're asking to be king, number one, Okay, we got that part, king. Now, in order to ask him to be king, we have to be good subjects that enable him to be the king. Meaning, we are non-existent, we're invisible, and he's the king. That's part of be king part. Please, please be king, meaning we will be absorbed into your presence. Like we said about a Sarah Shuva, these days we're in, we're seeking, longing to be absorbed into the source of life. To not feel ourselves, but rather feel the source. Karavanisus Elamar. That's what's happening in the Sarasamechuva these days. Where every spark is longing to be absorbed up into its source. And every spark in us and every spark in everything in our world, which we'll look at soon, is longing to be absorbed up and included in its source, the Ma'ar. Okay. Which means, essentially, that there's no sense, there's no feeling of self. You're just feeling up there, what you're being absorbed up into. And in fact, you can't really be, you know, you know the famous story about the fox that was a, a fat fox. Uh, uh, no, it was a thin fox and it saw grapes on the other side of the fence. It managed to get through the slats of the fence and it ate and ate and ate all these grapes to its fill. And then when it was full, it wanted to come back to its home on the other side of the fence, but it was too fat. It gained so much weight from eating all the grapes. So what did it have to do? It had it stopped eating for a while until it lost it, enough weight that it could fit back through the slats of the fence to get back home. So nothing, nothing was gained. Now, why am I saying that idea? If you're too fat, you can't fit through the slats of the fence to be absorbed into Hashem's unity. There's a way to be absorbed into that higher source of life and source of life, and that's to not feel self. And then that's how you get through, get in. If you feel self, then you're kind of too big to get through through the slap and the fence. So you get there, be absorbed into greater light and light, the mar, by not feeling self. Good, great, perfect. That's called asking Hashem, please Hashem be king. And I will do my part by being, you know, nullified to you. Okay. Now, king over what? What do you do as a king? Be king over the world. Oh, world. Well, what's the world all about? You know, it's a place where there are buses and trains and bicycles and helicopters and scooters and private jets and all that stuff. Oh. Hmm. So now I have to ask for that stuff, too, because I'm asking for you, please be king over the world. So now I need all the stuff in the world and create the world for another year. Hmm. So I'm now asking you on Rosh Hashanah to create 
a whole year with all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of stuff in the world. And a lot of, and some of that stuff is going to belong to me because embedded in those, that stuff are going to be sparks. And I'm going to have to interact with the sparks to reveal them, pull them out and bring them back to you, Hashem. It's a very complex process. But in this whole thing that I'm asking you on Rosh Hashanah to be king and create the world for another year, I need also not just ask you to be king, but we need to have this world thing. All the, all the ducks have to be lined up. I have to ask you to make a world. And I have to ask you not only to make a world, but a realistic world that really works like a world with all the stuff in it. And, and of course, if I'm asking you, then there's my part of the world that I have to ask you for because otherwise the whole picture isn't complete and the whole thing doesn't really work unless I'm doing my part in the world with my part of the world. So maybe this year I'm going to need a bicycle, a scooter, and a garage that fits my car. And uh, maybe this year I, you know, I'm going to have to have an, a helicopter. Now, how am I going to get all – that's just because the sparks are embedded in there. Well, now my job is to bring the light of Mashiach into those things that were created for me because those sparks were created for me. So how are you going to hook me up with all those things? The scooter, the, the scooter, the car, the, how are you going to hook me up with all those things so that I should be able to interact with the sparks? Well, Hashem says, ask me for them. Ask me for them. Then I'm thinking about myself. Hashem says, no, 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 no. Ask me for them because it's part of the equation of what you're asking. You're asking me to be king over the world, so you have to ask me for all pieces of it. You're asking me to be king, and you're asking me for a world, and you're asking me for the parts of the world that are, belong to you. And you, even in order to ask me for the parts of the world that are connected to you, you sort of have to feel a little bit of an appetite for those things. Otherwise, you're probably not going to get around to asking. You'll probably fall asleep on me. They'll probably like, what? Oh, yeah, a helicopter. I'm so not into helicopters. It was like me that time that I, when we did kosher week and I bought a um, a chopper and I bought a, um, a lottery ticket. And then I just said, just give it to the Chabad house. The shliach came along and said, take it, take it. Maybe you'll win. Just take it. Take it. You'll deal with, you'll deal with all the problems if you make all that money. <laughs> so you have to have a bit of an appetite to want the things that are connected to you, that you have to interact with in this world that you're asking Hashem to be king. It's a very complex process, and every single every single part of it has to be in, in place, him being king, and there being a world, and the parts of the world that have to do with you, and you asking for them and all that. So when you're asking, so it says the Rebbe in the Sikha, when you're asking on Rosh Hashanah, and you have to ask for all those things that you need, physical things that you need, you're not asking because you want them. You're asking because... That's the part of the equation. You're asking Hashem to be king over the world and everything has to fit together, all the pieces of the puzzle. It has to be a real world with real things and real stuff and real stuff that, that you interact with. We're doing this for real. He's going to be a real king over a real world with real stuff and your real stuff. And you have to really, you have to interact with that stuff and care about that stuff. You've got to ask for it on Rosh Hashanah. You're not asking for yourself. You're asking for the master plan of him being king over this world. And not only that, so that gives a whole different spin. So the contradiction of that, how can I ask for stuff for myself on Rosh Hashanah when I'm supposed to be bottled, nullified to the king? You're not asking for stuff for yourself. You're asking for all the props in this world that you're asking Hashem to be king over. And a lot of those props will belong to you, as they have to. Not as they are allowed to, as they have to. Part of the reason that you're in the world is to interact with the sparks in the stuff that belongs, that is uniquely to you and nobody else can, can deal with those sparks. And it actually, even though we've completed the Avaita of the sparks of Mishishim, of extracting the sparks, so now we're doing a whole other Avaita of bringing the light of Mashiach into that same stuff. So we still need the stuff. In order to need the stuff, we need to want the stuff. In order to want the stuff, we need to care about the stuff. We need to have some appetite for the stuff. And that's all we're, what we're asking for in Rosh Hashanah. It all really is just asking Hashem to be king over the stuff. Our stuff. <laughs>
And really it's all connected to his very essence and our very essence. And really the desire, just like the desire for Hashem to be, make a have a dear betachtanim, um, and that's done through the avayda of the spark, and it's rooted in atmos, his desire to dwell in this world and have stuff in this world is rooted in atmos, comes from his very essence. Why does he want to have a world full of stuff and be king over it? Comes from his essence. So too, with us, the avayda of interacting with our stuff that he's king over, and and the avayda of wanting that stuff that we're going to interact with that he's king over, comes from our essence. And that's why we see a generation now where they're, they're into stuff more than we're into stuff. The sound of um, Ruchmias is tuned down lower, so they hear it less. And the sound and the sound of the essence desiring stuff, things, cars, phones, clothes, this, that, and different kinds all the time. It's tuned. It's turned up louder in their soul, and they feel it more. And their essence is calling out to it. And classically, people are quite judgmental about young people liking things so much and spending so much money on things. But we understand that the desire for the things is really rooted in their essence. And their essence is calling out to the things. Because their essence is saying, you uniquely can bring the light of Mashiach and deal with those sparks in those things. So you need more and more things. You need nice things that cost nice amounts of money. And that's uh, more the younger generation rather than the older generation. More the generation closer to Mashiach than the previous generation was a little further back from Mashiach. Which just the sound of the essence of the Neshama calling out the stuff is even louder in this generation. And so um, the essence of the Neshama in, when you're talking about the essence of your, your Neshama your own desires actually are not applicable. They don't exist there. So it's all about you. There's no you in the essence of the Neshama. Because it's Yechida L'Yechedcha. It's your Yechida to Hashem's Yechida. So it may look like, oh, how many, you know, how many, you have to change your car every year? Yeah, I do. Every single year you have to have a brand new car? Yes, I do. Oh, that's so selfish. No, 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 no. On the level of Etzim and Nefesh, there's no self. There's no self. So when one is asking for his needs to bring about the supernal kavana, it's connected with the bittle of the Etzim and Nefesh, which is revealed in the Avaita from Lichun Yalechim, asking Hashem to be king. Okay, so again, finishing off with this question, we're asking for things we need on Rosh Hashanah. We're asking it because there's stuff, the stuff that has to come into contact with me, my spark. The whole thing has to come together. The Baal Shem Tov says the following. This passage. This is in Tehillim Kufzayim. He's saying that when a person, when a, a, a yid has a hunger and a thirst, a physical hunger and a thirst for food or drink, it's coming from his nefesh. There, the nefesh is actually hungry for the spark. The nefesh feels, experiences those sparks of Kedusha and wants to pull them out and purify them. And therefore, your nefesh will basically direct your life to be hungry at this moment and have a taiva for this at this moment. I, I always used to say, we would drive in from Long Island I would, we would see all these trees. I would be feeling good. We would drive along Eastern Parkway, and and then it looked very bombed out and burnt out, and my energy level would go down, and immediately I would feel, let's stop at the bakery and get a cheese danish, because something in me said, I need to get my energy level back up. Okay, now I don't eat cheese danishes, so I also interact with the cheese danish by not eating it. But your nefesh is directing you to that. It's almost like it's arranging circumstances because it knows what sparks it needs at what moment. 
And so it directs you and directs your animal soul in the direction of those sparks to desire them and interact with them, whether saying yes to them or saying no to them, whether eating them, not eating them, thinking about them, looking at them, etc. So even though it's a real physical hunger, but the real, it's an actual physical hunger, hunger, you're not fooling yourself, but the real hunger is for the neshama to the sparks of Kedusha that are embedded in that stuff. And um, and so when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, if we ask Hashem to give us what we need in the physical things, the Gashmistic things, it seems externally that, listen, person needs to feed himself, feed his family, pay his rent, put gasoline in the car. He needs to do all these things, and he's asking for that stuff. These are not luxuries. That's externally what he's doing, and that's what's leading him to ask for it. Oh, yeah, Hashem, I'm asking you for money for to pay my rent because of my spiritual needs. No. What am I going to do if I don't have a roof over my head? So externally, I'm asking because I need to pay my rent to have a roof over my head. But the truth and the penis of, of pouring out our nefesh, the hunger of the neshama, is the hunger of the neshama to fulfill the kavana el Hashem's kavana, to take these physical things and make them into a dwelling place for him. And other other, when we see that we see when people, people have, there are two tzimas in Rosh Hashanah, which speaks about who will live and who will not and who will go this way and who will that and all the things that are going to happen to people this year. And people are very aroused by very moved by it because it's kind of scary. You know, it's kind of very raw. Who what's going to happen to each person. And then there's a tefillah, which is, please Hashem, rule over the world with all your glory. The one that people feel more in their gut is what's going to happen to me rather than what's going to happen to Hashem. But that's just external. And the, the obvious reason is because you're in a body and the things of this physical world are kind of closer to you than the spiritual things. And so you're kind of feeling the need to ask for the stuff that you need to keep alive and keep body together. Um, okay, so now what? So, but really, the real reason why we're asking for physical things is because that's part of asking Hashem to do the whole thing of being king over the world, and the world includes all of my stuff. And I need it physically, but more than my animal soul needs it, my neshama needs it. And my, which part of my neshama is asking for it? The essence of my neshama. It really is needing. It senses where the sparks are that I was sent into this world to interact with, and it says, go there. And, and I won't go there if it's not compelling enough for me. So my neshama has to arrange that I'll be hungry, either emotionally hungry for something or spiritually hungry or actually physically hungry, I'll have a craving and I'll have a need for something. I'm hungry for rent money. Yeah, why? Because it doesn't feel like so much fun to sleep in the winter on a park bench. So I'm hungry for rent money. Rent money. But really that was kind of arranged by my neshama because my neshama says that, that particular house, the sparks there for that person are in that house and he, she has to inter- interact with that dwelling. So I'm going to get them to ask for money to pay the rent so that they can stay in that place until it's time for them to be in another place. So, which explains why, you know, sometimes you feel like I need to get out of the house at 11 a.m. and you don't get out till 1 p.m. and you wonder why, and that's because the sparks that are waiting for you, you know, I guess, it arrived at that time. It all lines up at a certain time, and you get there when you have to get there. So now, that's the reason why um, we say the Haftarah Tfilas Khan on Rosh Hashanah. And why, remember, we went back to why is Eli HaKayin saying, are you drunk? Which is weird. It's kind of a comment that you could possibly imagine. What is Eli saying? He's saying, you're standing Hashem. You're standing in front of Hashem, Chana. You're standing in front of the Kaddish Kaddishim. There shouldn't be anything here 
in this Kaidish Kedoshim, there's nothing other than Hashem. When you're standing in the front of the Kaidish Kedoshim, feeling yourself is very tacky. Then you're out of the zone. The energy that is created in that zone, so to speak, to use those words, in fr- when you're standing in front of the Kaidish Kedoshim, it's all you feel is Hashem. If you're feeling your own need, you know, what's going on? You're missing the point. There's no, there's no energy, there's no place there to feel your own physical needs and your own gashmistic needs. Um, even the needs, when she said, she asked for a child. But she called Zeranushin. And Zeranushin, again, has to do with a certain kind of neshama, to bring a certain kind of neshama in the world that has certain qualities. And she really davened a lot. So she's asking for her own child, supposedly. Supposedly. And she's davening a lot. So both are like a little out of bounds. You know, your own child, you're standing in front of the Christian tradition. And you're davening extra, you broke the rules. What's going on? So it's like, kind of like being drunk with your own needs. You just sort of Drunk with your own need, your own desires. She's saying, please give your maid servant, please, Hashem, give your servant, servant what she needs, what she, what she wants. But Elia is saying, like, that's all you can think about is what you need? You're drunk with your own needs? Like, hello, what's going on? But her desire and her need was so strong that she forgot where she was. He's saying... Are you not remembering that you're standing in front of the Kaidish Kedoshim? You're here in Shiloh, in the Mishkan. What do you think you are? You, you're not in Walmart now, you know. Hello, Mrs. Kana, you're not in Walmart. You're inside the Kaidish Kedoshim. Did you forget where you, where, you, where you are? He's saying you're so consumed by your need to ask for this child that you forgot where you are? That's what he's saying to Chana. Now, I mean, today is Vav Tishrei. It's Rebbe, I mean, it's not a, you know, the Rebbe says this for, because of Rebbe Pankhana. And so Chana, at that time in the, in, in, in the Navi, answered like this, I am pouring out my nefesh before Hashem. Not only is her tefillah for Zera Nashim. She's asking for Zera Nashim for a child that is just a kind of a child. But she will devote to Hashem all her life and all his life. She's really not asking for a child for herself. She's asking for a child for Hashem. She said, this is not a thing of being drunk with my own needs. God forbid. The opposite. This is a pouring out of the penis of my nefesh. It's not my need. My nefesh is pouring out this request, this desperate request. That that has that is the that's what you do when you stand Hashem in front of Hashem. You talk nefesh to nefesh, essence to essence. That's the only language that works over there. Essence to essence. She's saying, I'm not drunk with my own needs. My essence is speaking here. Not I'm speaking, my essence. The essence of my nefesh is speaking here. The only language that's understood in the Kaidish Adivation, where Hashem's etim is, is, is revealed, is the, the etim of a Jew. She's saying, I'm, my etim is speaking. Not my, not my more external desires. As it says, Vishufanai, Varum you know, um, and, you know, I'm, my penis is coming, is asking for your penis. There's no me. This is my etamanefish. No drunkenness. This is my etamanefish pouring out its intensity. That part of me, which is totally my etamanefish, which is totally one with Hashem. And so that's why she immediately 
made another a an oath, and she said, "If you will give to your your maid, you know, if you will give to your to to me to your servant Zeranashim, this child, the Nasatid Lashem and I will give. Therefore, what will I do with him? I will give him to Hashem all the days of his life, as it says in um. Well, it, I guess it says in the in Tanakh." I will give it given to Hashem all the days of my life. His whole life will be not his own. Now remember, now let's switch. Let's switch from Hana in Tanakh to Rebbe in Hana. Because here you can feel that the Rebbe is switching and now speaking about Rebbe in Hana, whose yard side is love Tishrei. Because clearly, you know, we were not there. We're not Elia Kayan. We were not there at the moment when Rebbe Tzimchana asked Hashem to give her this child, but surely she did. And maybe there are Hasidim, you know, still around who knew Rebbe Tzimchana before she gave birth to the Rebbe, maybe, and they knew that, you know, I'm just not privy to these stories. Maybe someone will go on Zoom today and tell us. But yeah, the Rebbe is telling us that Rebbe Tzimchana, his mother, said, Hashem, please give me a child that is Zera Nashim. Again, a, 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 a union of two different, I believe, the qualities of David and Shaul, Chachma and Bittel. A perfect combination of huge wisdom and unbelievable Bittel. Bittel is, 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 Mashiach is a teacher, is huge Chachma, and a king, Malchus, total Bittel. And so he has to have, he has to be Zera Nashim. Have those two qualities of massive Chachma, massive understanding to be able to teach the whole world, and at the same time to be the king, total Bittel to Hashem, Malchus. That's Zera Nashim. And we can imagine that when Rebbe Tzimchana asked Hashem for this child, she said, I will give him to Hashem all the days of his life, his life, which she did. Meaning that his whole life will be not his own, which it it isn't, but rather give his life to Hashem. Because her Bakasha, her request for Zera Nashim is not for, for, for her or for him. It's not a personal request. And we know about the Rebbe, there's nothing personal. It's all Klal Yisrael. The Nasiyadar has no personal life. But rather, it's all, it's all for Hashem. As it's, as it's emphasized in the request itself, Zera Nashim. Chazal say, Anashim Chachamim v'nevayim v'bedayim v'tadikim shem l'shmay shel ha-kadosh baruch hu. Der Anashim means wise, deep, with Chachma and Bina and Tadikim. Amr Chana said, for the name of Hashem. And so, um, when she asked for this, it's She's asking it to lead them She's really asking to fill, fulfill what Hashem needs. This son that will be devoted to Hashem all his days. She felt that in the cleanness of her nefesh. She wasn't asking for what she needed. She was asking for Hashem to give her what Hashem needed. She was asking Hashem to take for himself what he needs. And she's going to, she's going to convince Hashem to give himself what he needs. She's going to convince Hashem to give Hashem what Hashem himself needs. And it's going to come through her. And so it's a hairah for every single yid, the thrill of Rosh Hashanah. It's not enough that the keenness of the yid is proper. But the penis has to come out in a revealed way. And when we stand 
Rosh Hashanah, and we ask for what we need, the physical things, or the Ruchmiyasik things. There's the Elia claim in our Nefesh that says, how long are you going to be drunk? Are you thinking of your own needs now in a time when you're crowning the king? And Elia Cohen in ourselves is going to keep us on track and say, it's good to ask for the physical things, the Gashmis. Just keep, just let's keep putting it back on track of why we're asking for it. And so we have to ask for those things. But, and it pulls out an answer. Remember when the Elia Cohen in us, Asked, you know, are you drunk? Are you asking for yourself? Or are you asking for Hashem? And then there's Chana, and Rebbe and Chana, who answers that for every Yid, even somebody is, speak, is thinking about his own, even somebody who's thinking about his own needs. The Pneumius is, Rebbe and Chana, and Chana are saying, every Jew, even somebody, who feels like, "Ah, I'm just asking for the stuff I want. She's saying, no, 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 no. There's a deeper part of you. You're asking for it. I'm pouring out my soul to Hashem. I'm pouring out from my penis and nefesh, which is one, and one with Atmos, one with Hashem. And just like the answer to Hannah really settled everything for Elia Kain. And Eli, in the end, agreed with her. And he gave her a bracha and a promise. And Elokei Yisrael will give you what you have asked from Hashem. He will give it to you. So to the Eidah And so, Han, so really, in this interaction, we're being promised. By Rebbe Zanchana, the son of Rebbe Zanchana, Hashem will give you, he will fulfill your request, your request of every year, for Hashanah Tevil Masuka, Kipshuta Batuva Nirvanigla, Yibane Chayim Nizani, Ukulam Revishim. Shavu Kutki Ben Shiara, Marcha Simatai.